You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 139. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 139. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, super moms. You did it. You survived the Thanksgiving holiday. And now here comes the busiest time of year for moms <sighs> this holiday season. There's so much to do, so many extra little details going on at this time of year. I hope you are geared up and prepared. If you are not feeling super prepared, I highly suggest going back and listening to the podcast I did with Leanne Kovar, the last one to come out right before Thanksgiving, which was all about kind of taming the holiday crazies and our experiences with going a little overboard, being exhausted and overwhelmed this time of year, and how you can tame the beast (laughs) and make it a holiday that matches your values, how to learn to let go of perfectionism and people-pleasing, and just create the holiday that you want to have. So highly suggest that interview with Leanne Kovar if you haven't listened to it yet. But today I've got another interview for you with Krista Lockwood from Motherhood Simplified. So I am trying to make this time of year as simple and easy for you as I can. And one of the ways that I'm doing that is by trying to think of conversations that would be beneficial during this busy time of year where I'm not giving you more things to do. So this interview that you're going to listen to today is all about how less stuff can make you happier. So instead of adding things you're to buy for your kids and presents that you need under your tree for this holiday season, perhaps a reminder that the more stuff you buy, the more, obviously, the little bit of work on the on the upfront up end, you know, buying things these days is super easy online, of course, and having them delivered to your house. It makes purchasing so simple. But once you own that item, it's that good reminder that then you've got more things to clean, more to organize, more visual clutter, more stimulation in your home. And so I didn't really understand how less stuff makes you happier, but Krista did a great job of explaining it. And now I get it. And I was so inspired by our conversation that I decided to book a trip to Costa Rica, my happy place where there is very little stimulation. And it's probably one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much because it's so simple and back to nature and relaxing. So while you are listening to this, I will be sipping a Coco Loco on the pristine shores of Playa Flamingo, thinking about you all and sending you the best wishes for this holiday season because the empty nest is a wonderful place to find yourself after putting in so much time and investment. So that's what I am enjoying is my empty nest status by taking off to celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary. All right, y'all enjoy this podcast with Krista and Pura Vida. 
You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and I have a special guest here with me today. I've got Krista Lockwood. Krista is a mother of five who is going to help us declutter for the purpose of increasing our happiness. She's going to talk about how less stuff can actually make you feel more peaceful, more calm and in control. So super moms, I'm so excited to have Krista here with us today. Welcome to the show, Krista. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of kids. And so I understand what it's like to be super busy and just want to find ways to feel better and feel happier and make your entire mom life just feel easier. Yes, we're all looking for ways to make home life easier, right? <laughs> How do we, especially in the house and when the school year's busy, you know, back in, I mean, COVID was a whole other reason we needed to declutter and increase the peace at home. But now we're back to school, back to sports, music lessons, you know, social activities, birthday parties, all these things where we've got to, we got a lot of stuff that goes along with all of this. So tell us, how did you come to the realization that less stuff could make you happier? Yeah, so I had a a unique experience. I know a lot of people talk about decluttering and minimalism now, and I'm sure that they always have in some way. But back in 2013, my husband and I were born and raised in Alaska. We decided that we wanted to leave and he had an opportunity to go to Florida. And so we decided pretty suddenly within like six weeks of like talking about it to actually deciding and living in Florida. Um, And at that time we had three kids. We were young parents. We were really broke. And it was actually, it wasn't doable financially for us to actually bring our stuff with us. It was more affordable to just start over there, like rent a house that was furnished and start over. That's what we did. We Our three kids, we each had one suitcase each, you know, like two of toys or two of clothes, I think was what it ended up being. And then one of toys, like, you know, my hairdryer and my straightener and stuff. And then we just, we got towels and dishes and stuff when we, and bedding when we got down to Florida. Um, So we decluttered everything. We didn't keep it in storage. We didn't ship it with us. We just got rid of it all and started over. And I didn't know what we were doing. You know, I didn't know that there would be these amazing benefits on the other side of it. And actually, it took me about four, almost five years to realize what had happened. But I, all I know is that when we got to Florida, I life felt really easy. Um, even though we had three kids and we had moved away from our entire support system, you know, I left my business behind, and so I had to go back to working a job, which is not great for me. It's not a good fit for me. But you know, I went back to teaching, actually two jobs, and I was working more hours just in this strange place, having culture shock because Alaska to Florida, it was culture shock, (laughs) but still somehow feeling lighter and freer and more connected to my kids and more connected to my husband in certain ways um, and more connected to myself. And just like I had space to breathe. And I thought it was because, you know, we had moved from Alaska to Florida. Like that's exciting. Right. Florida has magical powers. Right. I know. I'm like, we went from like cold and dark winter to like bright and sunny and like beaches and it was amazing. But then a few years later, we moved to Idaho, which obviously is not the beach. <laughs> I got pregnant again with our fourth child and was a part of a due date group on Facebook, which is just a bunch of moms who are due like within the same month of each other. And we got close 
And after we had our babies, we were all sitting around, you know, talking and staying connected. And this common conversation kept coming up between the moms of like, who else is like drowning in their laundry and their dishes and their everyday messes. And we started doing this thing called house tours where we would go live inside of the Facebook group and just show each other our houses. It made us feel, That's you know, connected cute. to it. Yeah. yeah. It, was really, it was so much fun. We could like, you know, get a sneak peek into each other's real lives. And that was the whole point. And then when it got to be my turn, they were all like, okay, Krista, like we all agreed that like we wouldn't stage our homes. We wouldn't make it look nice ah. and pretty. <laughs> and I was like, that was, it was like four years later after leaving Alaska when I was like, oh my gosh, like I used to be like this. Like that was my life exactly. Like feeling so stretched thin because I was like constantly behind on laundry, always had a sink full of dishes, like toys just spilling out into every corner of the house, never able to find anything you know, embarrassed to have people over because my house was a mess, too overwhelmed to like go do anything. Like that used to be me. And I thought it stopped because we moved to Florida. And by seeing those live videos, I was able to kind of piece it together in hindsight of like, I just don't have the amount of stuff that we used to have. Yes, we definitely have a lot more than one suitcase per person. I don't recommend doing that at all. It's dramatic and extreme and not necessary under, you know, unless it's under unique circumstances like we had. And so I just asked them like, do you guys want me to show you how to get rid of your stuff? Because I'm looking at all of these videos and these photos and I see a common thread and it's that you are all trying to do way too much stuff inside of your homes. Like if you were to watch this as an outsider, like you're watching each other's videos, you're like, that's way too much stuff. Like no single person could possibly keep that clean. Like it's it's too much. And so that's how I got started. Um, I opened up a separate group to show them how. And um, yeah, I was kind of able to piece together my story and understand what actually happened for me. And what's the name of your Facebook group? Uh, Motherhood Simplified. Okay. So people can go in and request to join yeah. your Facebook group if you're interested in, in having some um, positive peer pressure yes, around exactly. decluttering. Yeah. I used to think that hotel rooms had magical powers because every time I go to a hotel room, I would feel so relaxed and at peace and calm. And then we went to Costa Rica and we were there for like three weeks and we've never felt all of us were just like, I don't want to leave. Like we just love it here. Like this feels like home. And we were staying in probably maybe a 400 square foot casita very small and with scorpions and centipedes and mosquitoes. And it was blazing hot. And we were all smushed in together, living out of suitcases. And like, none of us had ever been happier. We're like, what is that all about? So we, when I came back, I was like, okay, I know as a life coach, I know that no place, even Costa Rica or Florida has magical powers. So, you know, who was I there, right? What was it about it that made it feel so good? And I started to like bring that back home to California with me, you know, like, okay, was it the fact that I was in water every day? <laughs> was I, because I was surrounded by nature every day. And one of the thoughts was because there was just less stuff. We didn't have a lot of decision-making. We didn't have a lot of chores to do. And that was one of our theories. And then we bought our lake house uh, during the beginning of COVID. And it was like, oh, this sanctuary of peace, you know? So we're trying really hard not to fill it with clutter 
as it's been, what, two years now. So I'm curious, how did you not just fall back in the same accumulation trap of just buying more stuff and then having your house filled with clutter and especially with young kids and toys and all that plastic and, you know, the birthday parties they get, like the goodie bags or whatever. I used to think it was such a waste, but yeah. Tell me how you didn't just like recreate the same clutter-filled situation. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And that's one question that a lot of people ask me in the group. And I think, again, I think I had unique circumstances where I've been able to like learn these lessons in a unique way and then teach other people how it actually applies in real life. Because, you know, we moved away from family and friends. We used to live right next door to my in-laws who would just like dump stuff on our porch, literally. Um, Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so I think having a clean break from that gave us a unique way of just like kind of resetting. And then again, we were pretty broke. So it was like, I also had this this like flash light bulb moment when I was doing garage sales before we left for Florida, looking at all of our piles of stuff that like I could not get anybody to buy. Nobody <laughs> would buy our stuff. And thinking to myself, like, I'm, I'm so embarrassed because I totally could have like paid off my student loans. And now I'm just looking at all of this stuff that I didn't even realize I was spending my money on, like, you know, and it adds up. And so I remember that. And I think, I think that was more of like a subconscious realization. (laughs) But I do remember being in Florida, like feeling guilty because my kids only had a suitcase of toys for a while. And like wanting to go, I remember the first time we went to Target, like walking down the toy aisles and being like, I feel like I need to buy them stuff. But then also looking at the aisles of stuff that I had just decluttered and kind of being like, do I really want to spend $30 on this? And the answer was no. And I think, like I said, I think a lot of that stuff, I just kind of subconsciously was feeling the relief. And and I would look at things and I would view it differently because I know that my kids, I was watching them play with their one suitcase of toys for hours and hours. And so it almost felt like going to the store and getting them more stuff, like it was pointless. I was able to watch them. They weren't feeling deprived. They weren't bored. If anything, they were being more creative and they were playing much nicer together. They weren't coming to me and telling me that they were bored. They were actually cleaning their stuff up. And so I just, it just didn't appeal to me. Like it didn't appeal to me like it used to. And I know you are, since you are a life coach, so maybe you'll have like some ways to shine lights on my, on the blind spots of how I, you know, articulate this, but it used to be that, you know, I was so overwhelmed and I wanted, I felt so disconnected from my kids because I was like always cleaning up, always feeling behind, you know, our stuff in our homes is a constant visual reminder of our to-do list. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to feel better. And so I would go buy them something. I wanted to make them feel loved and special. And so I would go buy them something. I would find something at the thrift store, you know, really cool toy, you know, especially if I could find like an expensive, like wooden toy at a thrift store. Yes. Like I'm going to get that. And then the irony of that is that I bring it home and then it's contributing to the overwhelm and it's this downward spiral. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we say you live in a house with lots of clutter. There's a natural overwhelm that comes because stuff holds energy and it kind of pulls your energy outside of yourself. So you're in a house full of stuff. Your brain's constantly scanning. Oh yeah, I got to do that. I got to clean that up. I got to put that away. Like there's just this, it, it, uh, pulls your energy right outside yourself. So then you're feeling tired, depleted, disconnected. And so then you look for dopamine 
And some people get dopamine hits from buying things, right? Novelty gives us dopamine. Shopping can give us dopamine. Bringing something home new, ordering off of Amazon. And so we get this feel-good chemical in our bodies that gives us this boost of energy. It's like a sugar high, right? But if your whole diet is filled with sugar, it does not give you energy to sustain you, right? It really depletes and drains your energy. And so it kind of makes sense of how you get into this, like, okay, my house is so annoying and clutter-filled. Let me go to Target, do a big shopping run, bring home a bunch of, even if sometimes you're bringing home like organizing boxes. So like, I'm going to bring home, I'm going to get organized, I'm going to buy some bins. But then it just stops there because you get overwhelmed by the stuff, but you get the high from the shopping. Yeah, And so it is this kind of trap that we fall into and kids too get this, right? They get a high from a new McDonald's Happy Meal. I don't know they still do that, those Happy Meal toys or whatever, but they're like, oh, something new that they play with for 10 minutes where, you know, as a former, but you were a preschool teacher. Yeah. Maybe you're at Montessori. And so, you know, that like when kids have fewer amounts of toys, then there's room for their imagination to come in. And that's where you said you noticed the creativity and that they were getting along better because it wasn't this just like quick high and then bored, right? Mm -hmm. But that they had to explore because they knew what every toy did. There wasn't like this novelty of trying to solve it or figure it out. And like, what, how does this work? Which is super fun. But I remember with uh, my son, I would put him in the shopping cart and I find some toy at the beginning of Toys R Us. And by the time we got to the checkout counter, he'd figured it out, the toy, and he was bored with it. So I never had to buy him anything. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He just liked to like figure out how it worked. And then he was like ready to move on. So I did the same thing with my daughter when she came along, you know, I gave her a toy to play with. By the time we got to the checkout counter, she had bonded with this toy. She was like, this is my new best friend and I will not let it go. So that strategy did not work from one kid to the other. That's so funny. Um, Okay. It's so funny because I know you have, you have your kids and I have, I have five kids, so I should know these things, but literally today at the grocery store, because that's what I do with my kids too. And I have one kid who's very different. We have the older three and then she's four now. And it works for my three-year-old. My three-year-old, like we can take things around and she'll like hug the thing and goodbye or she just won't even care. She's just like, whatever, bye. But yeah, I still have another kid who's like, will cry. She will literally cry because she has to leave it behind. And I almost asked in my own group today, like, how do you guys deal with this? Because she's so intense. And so I guess the reason that I wanted to share that is because by being able to watch all of these other moms, I was kind of able to piece together my story and, you know, and articulate. I think that's the thing that helped me the most is like being able to put words to the experiences that I used to have and the the behaviors that I used to engage in and the ways that I used to try to show my kids love and understand it because I can see all of these other people going through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I still have my own kids and I, and each personality is so different and some of them will get way more attached to things just naturally because whether it's, you know, a stage of development, which I think is partly her thing, or just because that's who they are, right? Right. Just personality. Just who they are. Different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think too, when you talked about how we let's like talk about like like bonding with the kids and wanting to feel connected to them. You know, when you're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and depleted, you feel like some 
something's missing. You know, something's missing, right? There's this feeling that you want to have with your kids where you're like attuned and really connected and present. I've been a lot of moms say like, I just want to be present with my kids. And clutter is one of those things that kind of keeps you from feeling present, right? And so then you want to, buy them something to show that you care and you're thinking about them and you love them, but it's different than feeling connected and present. And so I think that's what decluttering does. And that's what vacations can do, right? Where you're like, you remove all your visual to-do list. You're in a hotel room, somebody else's place, somebody else's problems, and you can just focus on your kids. And so you feel more present and more connected to them. And so what you did kind of accidentally was you gave yourself a felt experience of what it would be like. And it felt so good that that was your motivation to continue to not bring in the clutter. And that's what I recommend my clients do too. When we're talking about how to change our behavior, you've got to have some uh, experience of it so that you know what it is you're working towards, right? To, to stay, keep you motivated when Christmas is coming up and you're going shopping on Amazon, you know, to like remind you of like, uh, why don't I want that clutter again? Oh yeah, because it felt so amazing to be on vacation in that hotel room with the kids, you know, without all that clutter. So it's just having some sort of felt experience that you can anchor around. And so for me, it's been gosh, years since I've been in Costa Rica. So that first time where I'm like, why is this so amazing? But I can still go back there in my mind and be like, that's my why, that's my motivation is to recreate that feeling. Even if I can't even remember exactly what it felt like, I know I loved it and I didn't want it to go away. (laughs) So that felt experience is really huge. Yeah. And I remember when we, like what you said about feeling on vacation, when we first moved there, that's what it felt like. And I remember it was like our fourth week of being there. And we were like the, on the fourth weekend of like just working all week and then getting to the weekend and being like, we can go to the beach, we can go to the zoo, like we can drive three or four hours to go check out this new beach. And it was no big deal. And I kept wondering like, when is life going to get back to how it used to be? Like when is life going to go back to like me having to spend our weekends, you know, catching up on laundry or trying to keep the, you know, catch up on the house stuff. Like, when are we going to get back to that? And then to be honest, we haven't really ever gone back to that place because we haven't reaccumulated to the point where we were before. We still have, we have five kids. We do have stuff in our home, but, um, you know, just having like what you said, feeling into that experience and not wanting to let that go. Even when it first started, I didn't understand what exactly it was I was doing in being able to open up that group and support initially just my friends understand it. I've, yeah, I've been able to be like, oh, like just take it, you know, have a different layer of understanding of like, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. Um, Which I think is helpful too for like, you know, we have teens and tweens now so we can communicate things like that to them too of like why we don't just let them go by, (laughs) you know, stuff all of the time. Um, Or why we, you know, when they do want to make purchases, you know, we communicate them through the process of like, do you really need this right now? Like, or, you know, do you think that you're going to get this and regret it later or, or, you know, whatever might be going on for them, but um, talking them through those decisions, I think will help them a lot as an adult. But can I share another story too, about like ways that I really connected with my kids? Um, Absolutely. 
Okay. So one of the biggest ways that I think clutter helps moms feel better is that raising kids is very overstimulating. And being in a house full of clutter is very overstimulating. And so it's like these two things are teaming up against us to massively overstimulate us. And it's really sad for my older kids. And maybe one day I'll tell them this, maybe I won't. But it used to be that like when they got upset or they would fight or they would scream or they would cry and they were needing me, you know, to help them regulate and calm down. I was already so overstimulated. That was so hard. That was hard for me to do. It was so hard for me to do. Um, and I, I didn't do it very well a lot of the time. It was like, I'm overstimulated. You're overstimulated. You're coming to me because I'm the adults. But I just didn't have the bandwidth to like just hug them or, you know, be that steady, like absorber of their emotions, basically, whatever you want to call it. So a lot of times my reactions would be like, you know, to want it to just want to make them stop. And I've talked to my therapist about this too. And she's like, yeah, that's that's what happens when you're overstimulated. You just want their stimulation to stop. And that's been really helpful for me. And looking back again in hindsight of like, I was so overstimulated and overwhelmed by this constant running to-do list, always behind, looking at the stuff in my face. And there's such a big difference in the way that I can respond to basically our second set of kids. So we have like a 11, 13 and 15-year-old. Then we have the the two and the four-year-old right now, almost three and five. Part of it is you know being an experienced mom. But I know that another part of it is I just have so much more space in my days and in our home, like physical space in our home so that when they get overwhelmed like that, I'm I'm not at max capacity already. Like I've got some space for them. And it's so it feels really good to know that like my three-year-old, she, you know, when she's crying, she'll come over to me. She knows that I will just give her a hug because that's all she wants. She's the hugger. And she'll tell me I feel better and walk away. And those kinds of things I just wish that I could have had somebody telling me this of like, you're not a bad mom. You're overstimulated. <laughs> Right. There are some things that you can do to help. (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening to this and you wonder about like overstimulation, like I don't think I realized that I was getting overstimulated until I had a son who was very easily overstimulated. And I would, I was aware of his overstimulation. And then I started to pay attention to myself and be like, wait a second, I think I'm overstimulated too. So it's a word (laughs) we don't use much, but in our modern day society, we should Right. So if you're, if you find yourself getting to the place where you don't want to be touched, you don't, you want the kids to just be quiet, that their noises are bothering you, that touch is bothering those kind of like five senses, that's probably because you were probably overstimulated. You know, if you're having a hard time being in your house and surrounded by the clutter and you're like, I just got to get out of here, like that's probably it's your nervous system that's getting heightened and overreactive. And so with less stuff, which I can tell you, I'm looking behind Krista and the room she's in looks like a yoga studio. I think we got like one poof on the floor or something and everything else is just empty. (laughs) And so it's hard to get overstimulated in an empty room. Yeah. It's just a totally different vibe. It's like walking into a yoga studio as opposed to walking to a gym with, you know, TVs on and music and lights and people working out like the yoga studio has a very different vibe, right? And it's not that one's better than the other. It's just, you got to learn what works for you. And for me, gyms are very overstimulating. So I am more of a yoga person. Yeah. 
Yes. You're, yeah, I think that's that's a really good analysis too. Because I'm like, I've always wondered, like, why don't I like the gym? I like working <laughs> out, but I think that's probably why. But yeah, it's kind of, it's like a little hack. If you can get yourself to where your environment is not overstimulating, you automatically just feel better. You feel lighter. You feel more connected. And it's like, instead of being stuck in that downward spiral, what I what I tell moms is like, you get in an upward spiral where it's like, you feel better. Yes. And we internalize these stories, you know, about like our houses and the way that they look and the stuff inside of them and the way that we show up in our homes to mean something about us. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I believe that people are inherently good. And if you can just clear out the stuff that makes that hard for you, it just, it feels way better. And that's how, that's really how you start feeling better. So Krista's super bump kryptonite. Ah. is to not make the clutter in your house mean anything about you, right? Or that's like, that's something that's going to drain your energy. Obviously clutter drains your energy too. But especially when you're shaming yourself for the clutter or your inability to keep up with the dishes and the laundry and the household, when you make that mean that like, I'm failing as a mother or I don't have my shit together and everybody else has it better than I do, or they know what they're doing. Like all that like negative self-talk. Yeah. Is that super bum kryptonite? Yes. hundred percent. It's hundred percent that. (laughs) It is absolutely possible to have clutter and have it not mean anything negative about you. Yes, exactly. It's just, it's just symbolic that you live in a consumer culture and that you've been indoctrinated by TV commercials and your friends and everybody else yeah. saying this is normal and this is how we live life. And it, it's an act of rebellion yeah. to say no. When, when your in-laws are dropping stuff on your porch mm-hmm. and you say, I'm not going to take this inside my house. I mean, that takes gumption, yeah. <laughs> takes guts. Yeah. Oh, you said like my favorite words. You said rebellion, indoctrination, <laughs> <laughs> some other ones that I can't remember. But I mean, really decluttering to allow those parts of myself in a way that feels good because I think a lot of times when people talk about, you know, going against the grain, being, you know, having a rebellious streak, it's in such a negative way. And I've really been able to step into that and learn like how to not be such a people pleaser because yeah, I had to learn, like we had a friend in Florida who would do the same thing. She was very wealthy and she didn't have any grandkids. And so she kind of took my, my grandkids, my kids as her own but she would fill our car up with stuff and I would tell her, thank you. And I would drop it off and not even bring it into my house. (laughs) It's hard to do, you know, we're trained not to do that, that that's impolite, you know, by culture. And so you've got to be really committed. And I think the best way to do that is to have the positive experience that you have of not having clutter, but you also are reflecting back on who you were when your house was cluttered and how it felt to not feel like you could connect with your kids and not be able to be that person. So you've got like a negative emotion with the clutter and a positive emotion without, and that's, what's going to keep you motivated. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. If somebody's listening out there and they're feeling inspired, they want to have less clutter around their house. Where do they start? So for moms, I recommend just a couple of spa- a couple of spaces. So pick whichever one feels best to you. You can start in the laundry room if you have like a laundry space because it's generally 
pretty messy. It's usually got a lot of trash that you can clear out right away um, or duplicates or you know expired products. So it's a pretty simple space to clear out. And when you do this, doing laundry feels a little better. Not that laundry is particularly fun, but you know, you're like, oh man, I don't dread walking into this room anymore. Um, you can also do under your sink, like whether it's your bathroom sink or your kitchen sink. For similar reasons, there's not a lot of sentimental stuff in there, right? You're not going to get caught up on like, oh, I remember when they wore this or when they played with this or whatever. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I didn't realize I had so much trash in here. <laughs> and then it feels really good because you're doing like these simple projects, you're building momentum. And what happens like 99% of the time is that you start in that, you know, pretty harmless space that you can get done pretty quickly. And then you move on to the next cabinet or you move on to the next drawer or, you know, the next space and you build momentum that way and realize that it doesn't have to be that hard, doesn't have to take you that much time. It is a skill that you can practice and then build up into doing, you know, more overwhelming things like the toys or the clothes or, you know, whatever it is for you. Yeah. So tell me how moms can spend, how decluttering helps moms spend less time doing dishes and laundry. Okay. So for me, so this this is one of the most common questions I have and it's so difficult to explain. And it's been a long time of me trying to articulate how it works. But when we had too much laundry in my house, what would end up happening is that we would live out of the laundry baskets we could endlessly pull from the clothes in the closet or the drawers, sometimes both, forever. And so the laundry baskets could be full of dirty laundry and we still have clean clothes to wear. And so I always would like look at that pile of laundry, be overwhelmed by it, try to get caught up. Then what I would end up doing is doing like massive amounts of laundry in a row, wash, dry. Then I would end up with like four or five loads of clean laundry that I would be too overwhelmed to actually put away. And then it was just this never ending cycle of like clean clothes and dirty clothes and this never, basically never ending supply of clothes to keep pulling from. And it was like all consuming. And one of the things that people say all the time is if we have less clothes, like I'm going to have to do more laundry. And you really don't. You're going to have to do the same amount of laundry. You're just not going to be overwhelmed by it. And the simplest laundry hack that I have is to just wash one load of laundry dry it and then either fold it or hang it, put it away before you start the next one. And a lot of people are like, that would never work. Almost everybody is like, that will never work. Like, I don't understand. But when you do that, what ends up happening is that you get into the habit of like finishing what you start, which is a great habit to have. But you also get a really good frame of reference for what your family's actually wearing because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm washing the same things on repeat. And we have this drawer of clothes that nobody's worn and who knows how long. What I can say too, like with my daughter, like the clean clothes and the dirty clothes sort of blend together on the floor and the furniture and the laundry baskets and the hamper. Like I hardly ever go in her room. So it's just, it's total mayhem in there. So when I'm, if I'm washing her clothes, I don't know what's clean and what's dirty. I don't think she knows what's clean and it's dirty. It's just kind of blends together. So you end up doing twice as much laundry because the clean has mixed with the dirty. So I could see in that system that would not happen. Yeah. And that's what I used to do. I used to, like I tell people what I used to do with my kids is like have them wear the cleanest dirty clothes because it was it was just a mess. Like I just couldn't keep it straight. And then when you have young kids, like they're pulling their clothes out and mixing it up. And so then what I would do is like 
fine. I'm just going to wash it all again. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what's what. I'm just going to wash it all again. And then you end up doing tons of laundry. Yeah. And if you can get into the habit of like washing, drying, putting it away before you start the next one, like the, the hardest part for me is actually putting it away, like finishing mm-hmm. it. I think that's true for most moms. <laughs> yeah. And so if you just don't give yourself the option, you're only putting one basket of laundry away. It takes you like 10 minutes at most. And then you can start the next one. You actually do get more efficient with your time. You don't get backed up, you know, having to find an hour to put everything away. Um, But then again, you can kind of gauge like, how much are we actually wearing? And why do I have a drawer full of clothes that nobody wears? (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I just, uh, that I do, some hack I learned, but doesn't work for drawers but is that you t- put all your hangers backwards in the closet. And then every time you put your clothes away, you put it forward. So at the end of the year, you can see which clothes you haven't worn for a year because the hangers are still backwards. So that's one that works for me. Yes. I've seen a lot of people do that too. And then um, it's funny because <laughs> they kind of similar to like finishing the laundry. They, they're they like, I know I haven't worn these but then it's still kind of scary to let them go, which is why like starting with spaces in your home, like your laundry room or under the sink is helpful because you get to build up that skill of decluttering and realizing that nothing bad happens when you let things go. Like a lot of really great things happen instead. Yeah. And I think in a nutshell too, when it comes to laundry, if you think of the feeling of overwhelm does not lead to productive action. Right. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, it makes you want to pull out your phone and play Candy Crush. <laughs> you want to scroll through social. You're like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm just going to watch Netflix, whatever. Like it makes you want to avoid or leave the house and go shopping at Target because you don't want to be in your house, right? The feeling of overwhelm does not lead to clear, decisive, massive action. And so if you're thinking like, how does decluttering reduce you know, make laundry easier. It's because you're eliminating the emotion of overwhelm or reducing it at least. So let's talk about how that applies to dishes. Cause those are the two biggest circular tasks that never feel, you never quite end. They're always repeating and it's something that can drain mom's energy. So talk about how to have less dishes or how decluttering helps with that. Okay. So the dishes are, it's essentially the same concept where if you have an endless, not an endless amount, but you know, an excessive amount to pull from, there's really no incentive to get yourself into like a good habit of just like doing something like rinsing the dishes off and putting them into the sink or telling your kids to clear it off the table and bring it to the sink because everybody knows you can just go get more. Yeah. And that's what, that was the habit that I found myself in prior to decluttering the dishes is that I just didn't have any reason to keep up on it. I had it in my head that I was making my life easier by having more dishes because then I didn't have to wash them as often. But that wasn't true because you can't just leave dishes in the sink. They're going to stink. <laughs> They're going to be frustrating to look at. And it, for me, maybe not everybody feels this way, but it does like, it's like this running to-do list in my head where I just feel behind. <laughs> I feel behind, like I'm never going to get caught up. Um, And then when you live with other people, they are adding to that. And it's really hard. It's actually probably impossible to ask your family to do these things, like have good habits about like cleaning up your own dishes if you're not doing it, but you're also really not setting the stage for them to win. That's one of the things that I like to tell moms a lot is that 
when you declutter, you're setting your family up to win because it's easier well, to maintain. I can see having a teenager who likes to eat in her bedroom <laughs> is that there's no motivation for her to bring her dishes downstairs because every time she goes downstairs, like you're saying, she just opens a cupboard and takes out another plate and another glass. Like we have enough where she could have her whole dresser filled with dishes and she's still able to find what she needs in the kitchen. Yeah. And I could see that too when I'm cooking. So I'm a, tend to be a messy cook. I'm not someone that ever got in the habit of like cleaning as I cook. And so I'll just like use this bowl for mixing and then I leave it on the counter and then I'll use this bowl for, you know, stir whatever. I leave that one out. And I, I bet no matter how big my kitchen is, I managed to fill it with all like bowls and pots and pans and knives and colanders, whatever. So it's like, if I had just one bowl and I used it for something and then wanted to use it again, I would have to wash it really quickly and then use it again. So I could see how that would then reduce the clutter, which then after dinner, of course, you got this huge kitchen full of dirty dishes and which then makes you feel overwhelmed. You're like, oh my gosh, look how many dishes I used. So totally yes. see that. And that's, that's exactly what I would do is like, I had so many pots and pans and Tupperware and bowls and everything that I would like do the dish. I would do breakfast stuff or lunch stuff and I would leave it for dinner. And technically I still had enough to still make dinner, but a lot of times I would have to like do the dishes before I could make dinner just because it was all in the way. And then the last thing that I wanted to do, like after a long day of work is do dishes, make dinner, and then have to do dishes again because I just yes. made dinner. And it was like this vicious cycle. And like, there's, I have a dirty little secret that I share with my audience that sometimes like I would leave the dishes, like whether it's Tupperware or something for so long that it was just easier to just throw it away, which is terrible and so wasteful. But I mean, that's the, de- that's the degree of how overwhelmed I was by stuff. And to be honest, how easy it is to get stuff if you need it, which is one big hesitation that people have with decluttering. It's like wondering like, if I get rid of it, will I need it? And we're just so used to having so much that we don't realize We really don't need that much. And if there's ever a huge need, like the running joke in Motherhood Simplified is like, if you ever have this urgent need for a third crock pot immediately, like you can go get one for $40 at the store. You can borrow one from a friend. You can go to a thrift store. Like you can use your stovetop, you know, (laughs) like just like a silly way to kind of reframe it of like what's really necessary and how resourceful can you really be if you're ever in a pinch? Like it's not what's harder is getting rid of stuff. Yes. Getting rid of things is much more difficult than acquiring new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because it's hard to sell it because people already have enough of it, right? Like we're all drowning in the same kinds of clutter. People don't really want to buy it. Thrift stores are full. Like there's a lot of great options to to trade and swap and those kinds of things. But yeah, I mean... (laughs) More effort. You, that was the other word you said that I was like, oh, she's speaking my language is consumerism. Like it's it's a confusing thing to live in because we're like constantly surrounded by the message that we don't have enough. And then we're also like, I really feel like I have way too much. <laughs> right. You've really got to question the, the messages coming at us from culture. Like I need this or, you know. Yeah. It's just my speaker just changed. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> I just got a notice saying your speaker's changed. Um Yeah. So, okay. So getting rid of stuff is the hard part. I have, the reason I'm saying that is because I am prepping for garage sale tomorrow. My neighborhood's doing their annual garage sale. 
And so I always try to jump in with that. So that has kept me from getting too overwhelmed with clutter over the years because we've lived in the same house pretty much since like my son was a year and a half. So like 20, he's turning 23, so 20 years. So if we hadn't been decluttering every year, our house would be bonkers right now. So thank goodness for this neighborhood garage sale that kind of gives me a deadline. And the other deadline that we have is um, our neighborhood does this dumpster day where they bring these dumpsters in and people can bring their trash and stuff. So if your neighborhood doesn't do anything like that, you can organize it. You just call the city. They do it for free and you get to dump your stuff and it's great. The other quick hack I have, if you're feeling motivated, you want to do something like right now, if you're listening to this podcast, is I will just to get like, we want to get the energy flowing. You want to get momentum, right? And that's what you're talking about. Starting with small little areas that you can see a big impact in a short period of time that aren't going to get you caught up in sentimentality. The other thing I like to do is I just say, grab a garbage bag and go find 20 things to throw away. And it could be from a gum wrapper on the floor to, you know, something you just, don't use or don't need anymore. And just, it just gives you that immediate sense of, you can feel it. When you dump a bag in the garbage, you take five bags to Goodwill, you feel like you've lost 15 pounds. You feel the energetic weight coming off of you. So that's what I love to just get. If you, instead of going shopping and getting a dopamine hit, get an energetic lift, like cut some of those ties to your stuff by finding 25 things to throw away or taking two bags to Goodwill, whatever you've got, you can get rid of and it's going to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a matter of like retraining your body to like the kinds of hits that it responds to. Because yeah, if you can show yourself, like train yourself to get a positive hit from getting rid of things, it becomes really helpful. And I like that you talked about like the energetic shift because when we declutter around here, because we still have to do maintenance decluttering because things are always coming in. They always have to go out. But when we declutter... Right. That's what I'm wondering of like, you know, you, you mentioned the one friend who gave you a bunch of stuff and you just didn't even let it come in the house. You just kind of took drove it straight to what, like a donation center or something. Okay. So that was one time, but obviously, you know, you've got school stuff. You got kids have their musical instruments and they've got their sports equipment and their school paperwork. And like, yeah, let's talk about like a, you said a nightly reset. Let's talk about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So nightly reset, it's just at the end of the day, every day I have our entire family helps put things back where they go. So kids put their toys away, big kids bring their stuff up to their rooms, like their school stuff or in the kitchen, you know, we put away and finish up any loose end dishes. Cause you know, with teens, they're always eating. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it takes us like 15 to 20 minutes to get it all done and get everything put away and when it starts taking us longer or you know i notice like everybody's griping about it nobody wants to help because they're like ah oh, so much to do is my cue to be like all right time to do like some maintenance decluttering so Linda, i like that because obviously getting all your kids on board with Decluttering and ERISA is not necessarily the easiest task in the world, uh, but for some kids, it's easier than others. But if you kind of say like, oh, if it's taking you longer than 15 minutes or you're complaining about it, then that's a sign you've got too much stuff and it's time to declutter. Yeah. And I do the same thing with myself of like, I'm avoiding doing the laundry, right? Like I'm dreading doing the laundry. I'm dreading 
doing the kitchen, especially like during COVID, my parents were baking with my kids every weekend, like virtually, which was amazing. But they kept sending us all of these supplies that we would use one time, you know, because they're like, we're going to make these, I don't know, special kind of donuts that we're (laughs) never going to make again. Yeah. Just noticing like, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I'm avoiding this. That's my natural tendency is like, I feel like I'm avoiding this. It needs to change. And my kids, um, my older kids know now because (laughs) they listen to my podcast. (laughs) Um, They just want to critique me. (laughs) But I think also they pick up on these things and they notice it, you know, and they'll have conversations with themselves now. Like my 13 year old daughter is like, she said the other day of like, I hate being in my room right now and school's starting. She's like, and I hate going in there. And so she went up there and like grabbed some bags and she's like, I'll be out in a little bit. But they're internalizing all the lessons you've been teaching them all these years. Yeah, that it's about the feeling. How do you want to feel when you're in your bedroom? How do you want to feel when you're in your house? And it's really just taking charge of that and being aware of, you know, what sparks your joy, as Marie Kondo likes to say, and to making sure that you're not getting overwhelmed and overstimulated so that you have the energy to take actions, maintain, do nightly reset. So do you keep stuff like, do you have like a place in your garage where you're like, okay, this is like prepped to go give away or do you put it things in your car? Like, how do you do that? Um, so now that we're in maintenance mode, um, so I usually take it right to the car. So yeah, I mean, for the most part, I know myself and I know my kids. And so when we make the decision, because that's the thing about decluttering is decluttering is just making a decision. If you make the decision to let go of it and put it in a donate pile, don't make yourself make the same decision twice by leaving it there and having somebody come back and bring it back into the house or see it and be like, why are you getting rid of that? Whether it's your spouse or your kids or even yourself, you know, second guessing that decision that you already made. So um, yeah, I like to bring it out to my car. If it's bigger stuff, you know, like heavy, you know, furniture or big toys or whatever, I'll put it just somewhere out of sight so that I know where it is. Maybe it's, you know, depending on what season we're in, putting it on the porch, putting it in the garage, if you have a garage, but just somewhere where you don't, you don't have to put yourself in the position of making the decision twice. Like don't make your life harder than it needs to be. Right. Yes. And then you get decision overwhelm and decision fatigue and we don't want that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to try to minimize the amount of clutter so that you don't So you feel less stimulated, less overwhelmed. So it's easier to take, to have the energy to take clear action and not be surrounded by your to-do list and, uh, and have your energy. So like dissipated being pulled because kids pull your energy, you know, mom, listen to me, look at me over here. I need you, but you're already getting pulled in all these different directions. So to have the added clutter is just compounding that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So tell me where people can go to find out more if they want to um, learn more. And you've got a freebie for my audience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com. It has everything there. It's got the podcast. I'll have you on as I guess soon. So I'm excited for that podcast, blog, courses, free guides. And then the one, the free guide for you all is the Clear Clutter toolkit. And it's just a single page. It's got the most common uh, like hurdles and roadblocks that moms come up against when they're decluttering. Like, how do I actually find the time to declutter? Um, How do I make sure that I'm not decluttering forever? How do I deal with 
just in case and what if clutter, you know, what if I want to keep it or I'm going to keep it just in case. Creating a vision to, you know, share with your family to help get them on board, as well as just a simple checklist of kind of like, you know, under the sink or the laundry room decluttering projects that you can do to get you started that aren't totally overwhelming, but they will have a really big impact in your home and build that momentum for you. So that's what's in that. (laughs) Awesome. So, well, thank you so much. I'm sure there'll be many moms out there because it's it's something that comes up quite a bit, right? When moms are coming to life coaching, going like, you know, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, why am I so impatient with my kids? Why am I so tired all the time? And it's like, sometimes it's, that's what Supermom Kryptonite is these invisible energy drains that we don't even realize are making us tired. So why don't you give mom a a super mom power boost? What's something they could do right now today to boost their energy so that they feel more in control, more on top of things? Um, I would say just look around your house and figure out like one thing that you can get rid of that would make your life feel better. Um, I love the way that you guided this conversation because I really got to talk a lot about like the ways that clutter makes us feel better. And if you can just look around, you know, that pile of paper on your counter that is like nagging you, like go through that and get rid of that. You'll feel a lot better. Maybe it's your nightstand in your bedroom. Kind of like what my daughter said. She was like, I kind of hate being in my room right now. Like what can you get rid of in your bedroom space? Maybe your bathroom, maybe anywhere that will just make you feel better in your home. Because really you can make your home, you can make your home feel good. You can make it feel easy to relax in, rest in, connect with your family in, rather than it just being a place where you feel like you have to do more work. Yeah. And I like how you said too, like, like let's say your room is you, you close your eyes and you feel how much energetic drain your bedroom has on you, this be you or your kids. Like notice how it feels when you think about going into your bedroom. But then don't think about, okay, I'm going to clean my whole bedroom. Like start with the nightstand, you know, start with like a small area, clear that off and then notice how you feel. Notice the weight lifted off of you, then a little energy, and then use that to fuel the next thing. Maybe it's the bed or maybe it's the kitchen table, right? Like whatever it is. So start off small, but pay attention to the emotions. And then really think about like, I like we said, creating a vision with your family. How do you want to feel when you walk into this room? How do you want to feel when you walk into your home and use that as the the anchor point? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so many, so many ways to do it in a way that just feels good for everybody, not just you, but your entire family. Love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.